Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning. Thank you for being here. My name is Nestor Flores. If this is your first time, we want to welcome you. We're so glad you are with us. When you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't get one, raise your hand, and we have some ushers that are going to bring one to you. Before I go into the message today, I want to share uh, some pictures with you. And before they put them up, let me tell you what's going on. So it's been almost three years. It's going to be almost three years that my dad has been in Ensenada. We're waiting for him, for the Lord to open a way for him uh, in, in the sense of immigration so that he can come back. But you know what? He's been out there for three years and he hasn't been cruising. He hasn't been lazy. He has been serving God. He's been discipling people. He's been going out to churches to sing, to preach. And God has been using him. And one of the things that happened last Sunday that I am so proud of, and he was so proud, and that's why I just want to share it with you. Last Sunday, he was recognized and ordained by the church he's attending. And they recognized him as an evangelist and gave him an ordination card. I want to show you some pictures. So I know you're thinking, man, that car doesn't look fancy. Remember, it's Mexico, okay? <laughs> uh, but this is his card. He's recognized as a missionary evangelist. And uh, the pastor prayed for him and a couple of other people. They, they anointed him and just, um, you know, not, not unleashed him because he was already doing that, but just recognized. And, and uh, he was so glad and he was so happy. And uh, I wanted to show that off to you guys. Um, Please pray for my dad. You know, um, at the beginning of it all, I said, I know we're gonna, we're gonna lose our dad in the sense that we don't have him here, but I believe somebody else is gonna gain him. And I believe that somebody else has come to know Christ because of him. And I'm willing to lose my dad if somebody else finds eternal life. Amen. So we're praying that he comes back and he's out there. Um, you know, when he goes out to preach to churches, they don't give him much offering. Paul, uh, Julio, I got a lot of feedback. If you want to take these off, you can take them off. Um, when he goes out to preach to churches, he doesn't get much offering. In fact, sometimes he ends up even like having to have to pay his gas and his food. So, uh, but, but he's grateful to do that. And I'm also grateful for those of you that pray for him, call him, support him. I know some of you once in a while, you send him a couple of bucks and he really appreciates that. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I want to start with the joke and then we'll get into God's word. Is that all right? So here's one of my favorite, old-time favorite ones, because throughout this campaign, next Sunday we're starting our, our third series of this campaign, and uh, throughout this campaign I've been sharing my favorite jokes with you. The story says 
that a, an elderly couple, uh, the husband began to feel ill and sick. So they decided to take him to the doctor to see what was going on because he hadn't been feeling good for quite a while. So they took him to the doctor and uh, after running all kinds of exams and doing all kinds of things, they were waiting in the room to be able to get the results. When the doctor comes in, he tells the wife, he says, can I speak with you in private? Can you please step out of the room? So she steps out and he gives her the bad news and he says, your husband is gonna die. He's got a, 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 an illness and he's not gonna get better. He says, but the good news is that you can prolong his life. That if you treat him nice, that if you make him breakfast every day and cook him a nice warm meal every day, and if you massage his feet, and if you speak kindly to him, and if you treat him nice, your husband will live longer. She thanks the doctor and uh, she goes back into the room. The husband is desperate to find out what the predicament is, what's happening, what's going on. And uh, he says, so what did the doctor say? The wife looks at the husband with the saddest eyes she could put. And she says, he said, you're going to die. <laughs> In your bulletin, there's an outline. Look at what John 10, 10 says. He says, I came so that everyone would have what? Life. And have it what? To the fullest. I want to tell you that everybody breathes, but not everybody lives. There's a lot of people breathing, existing today, but they are not living. And here's what this verse tells us. And this is Jesus speaking. He says two things that are super powerful. First of all, he says that everyone, that means everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what's happened. Everyone, everyone, what he's offering is for everyone. And what is it that he's offering? Life, not just existence, but life. And that's wonderful news. But then Jesus says the following in Matthew 16, 25. Check this out. He says, for whoever wants to what? Save their life will what? Lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will what? Will find it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. In our pursuit of wanting to live and not just exist, Jesus says that we need to be willing to lose what we're pursuing. So wait a minute, Jesus, what, what's going on here? How is it that you come to offer us life, but then you say that we need to lose it in order to find it, and if we're not willing to lose it, then we'll end up, uh, we'll end up losing it, wasting it. Well, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. And I've titled my sermon, Don't Waste It, Lose It. Don't waste it, lose it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are in this place this morning. Your word is truth, your word is life, and your word is sufficient for us. So I pray our ears, our heart, and our whole being will be ready and receptive for what you have to say to us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. You know, most of you know me and you know that I'm a big Dodger fan, I'm a big baseball fan, but growing up, we were a soccer family. Growing up, the sport that our family embraced was soccer. I can't recall a time in my childhood 
where we did not play soccer, where we were not in a team. We were always in a team. And, and you know, as a, as a parent and as a pastor now, I am amazed at the wonderful job my parents did because as they raised us, they taught us to love and to be committed to the church. We never skipped out on church, but at the same time, we were always in, in a soccer team. We were always in practices. We were in tournaments. We had fun. I don't know how they did it because I have a hard time doing it, but they, they were able to have balance in both things. But, 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 but we were a soccer family. We have such fond memories of, of our soccer uh, times, you know? I remember a, there were Saturdays where the whole day we were in the soccer field. We would wake up at 5.30 in the morning. My mom would make breakfast. We would change and we would head to the soccer field. We were three boys. We're three boys. So we were in three different teams. So we were in the soccer field all day long. We had wonderful memories of, of scoring goals. And, and my dad, those of you that know my dad, know that he's a passionate guy. And he got kicked out a few times by the referee. And the referee pulled out a red card on him because somebody would kick us and he would start screaming. Or the referee would miss a, a call and he would call him out. And we had fond memories. We had wonderful memories growing up as a family in the soccer field. The one tragic thing about our soccer life as a family, you ready for this? Was that we were never in a good team. Never. We were never in a team that won anything. We sucked all the time. All the time. We were the worst teams. I was sharing this with Lorena and she asked me, why do you think that is? I go, I don't know. I don't know, I don't, but we were a horrible team. When I was in high school, I played soccer all four years of high school. I didn't play baseball. I wasn't smart enough to play baseball back then, um, but I played soccer. And let me tell you, all four years of soccer, we were bad, bad. We, we couldn't win for losing, you know? We were bad. But my senior year, my senior year, I remember my senior year, the week of the last game, we were gonna play the last game on a Friday. Our coach told us, he said, guys, if we win the last game, we can make it into the playoffs. Now we were a bunch of seniors, half of the, more than half of the team were seniors. So we were like, you know, we gotta win a game. How is it that we're gonna go through our high school years and never be in a playoff game? You know, soccer was life, right? Uh, like Ted Lasso, the guy, Ted Lasso, soccer is life, right? So, so we we're like, we gotta win this game. We gotta win this game. We couldn't tie and we couldn't lose. We had to win the game. Keep in mind, we're a bad team, okay? So we pump ourselves up. We're so ready to play and for 80 minutes. Now, if you don't know about soccer, a soccer match is 90 minutes. For 80 minutes, the, the score was zero to zero. Oh zero to zero. Here we are pouring our hearts, out, our hearts out. We couldn't score. But 10 minutes left in the game, the opposing team fouled one of our players in the penalty area, and the referee called a penalty. We jumped of joy. We were excited. Yeah, baby. 10 minutes left. Here we come. We were so excited when then reality hit us. Reality hit us that our soccer, that our star scorer was horrible at penalties. 
I'm not gonna say his name because some of you may know him. No, I'm explaining. <laughs> now, when I say our star player, doesn't mean he was good. He was just the one that sucked the less. So a bunch of us that were seniors, we went with him and we pleaded. We didn't tell him directly, but we pleaded with him. Hey, let this other guy kick the penalty. I know he's not a forward, but he's really good at penalties. Let him do it. He's going to make it. Because he was the star, he refused to let somebody else kick it. So he puts the ball. He lines himself up. And he kicks the penalty. And guess what happened? He made it. No, I'm joking. He missed it. Of course he missed it. I think I'm telling you the story just to tell you he missed it. He made it. Of course he missed it. You know what? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The last seven minutes of that match, I do not recall them. Because I cried the last seven minutes. I know ladies say that men don't have feelings. We got feelings. We have feelings. I saw the cowboy fans cry when they lost the first week. Okay? I've seen Dodger fans cry when we lose. We have feelings. Why do I tell you this story? Well, I tell you this story because as a team, we lost because one individual was not willing to lose personally. Had he been willing to lose individually, we would have won as a team. Now, before you blame him, we're all kind of like that. We don't like to lose. If you know me, you know I'm very competitive. I don't play to have fun. I play to win. Life's too short to have fun. You got to win, right? I like to win. And, and, and on top of that, on top of that, we don't like to lose because we do not associate anything positive with losing. We don't think, oh, well, I lost, but at least, no. It's like we lost and it gets worse after that. There is nothing positive in our mind that comes after we lose. And let me tell you something. Out of all the precious things that we could lose, you know, like your wedding ring or maybe a special necklace or maybe a special picture. There's so many precious things that we own that we have that we could lose. At the top of all the things that we could lose is our life. But it is exactly that exact thing that Jesus calls us to lose. He says, lose it. And listen, whether you exist or you truly live, is determined by what you do with your life. And Jesus said that if you wanted to live, then you had to lose it for his sake. Let me give you a little secret. The reason I title my sermon, don't waste it, lose it, and not don't lose it, save it, is because you can't save your life. You and I, we got two options. We either waste it trying to be God in our lives or we lose it letting God be God so that we can find true life. There is no saving it. That's why Jesus said, whoever tries, you can only try. And come on, some of you, you've tried and you just made a mess of your life. Whoever tries will lose it. But whoever loses it will what? Will find it. You know who else doesn't like to lose? 
apart than your pastor? God. God doesn't like to lose. God has never lost. And I know some of you, you think you could take on him. I got bad news for you. You are not going to be his first defeat. He is undefeated and he will remain undefeated because God is always God and God always wins. So let's stop trying to be God. Let, let's, let's let God be God and we got to be willing to lose our life for his sake. I love the way John's cousin, John the Baptist, said it. Look at what he said in John 3.30 right there in your outlines. He said, speaking of Jesus, he said, he must become what? Greater and greater. And I must become what? You know, today... People are losing their lives to pleasure. They're losing their lives to passions. They're losing their lives to promotions. They're losing their lives to entertainment. They're losing their lives to relationship. And while these things may be good, they do not offer you the life that you want. At the end of the day, you don't find life in a relationship. You don't find life in a title. You don't find life in an achievement. Because the life that you and I want, the life that our soul craves, can only be given to us by Jesus. And you're probably wondering, well, Pastor, what exactly do you mean, lose my life for his sake? Simple, really simple. Here's what it means. It means that his will becomes my will. To lose my life for his sake is that whatever he wants becomes what I do. You know what that means? That means that I don't use money the way I think it's best. That I use money the way he says it's best. That means that I don't treat people the way they treat me. That means that I treat people the way he commands me. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. So I love people. I lose my life loving people the way he said because he is the one. It means that to lose your life, it means that when you're in church and there's awesome worship and the spirit of God is nudging at you and saying, raise your hands, get on your knees, pour out your heart. You're willing to look like a fool because you want his will and not your will to be done. That's what that means. If you're willing to let God be God, he then says, you will have Life. That's why David, as he was coming into the city and he was dancing and his wife looked at him and she tried to ridicule him and embarrass him. She said, oh, look at the king. Look what fool he makes. He says, you know what? I am willing to become even a greater fool to enjoy and delight in God's presence. That's what it means to lose your life for his sake. Now, I get it. Most Christians have a hard time understanding how if I become less and less, God can become more and more, and that's good for my life. So what I want to do today, I want to show you four things that you will gain when you lose your life for Jesus. When his will becomes your will, there's four things that and I didn't have a whole lot of time. I could have given you like 20 of them, okay? And I'm not exaggerating. But I want to give you four things that I know you want. I know you want them. But you won't get them until your life is lost for his sake. Are you ready? Yeah. 
Number one, number one, you got to hurry up and listen, okay? Number one, when I lose, I win. And I'm talking about losing your life for the sake of Jesus. When I lose, I win God's power. I win God's power. Let me tell you, in every situation, in every problem, in every opportunity, and in every task, you will either face it in your own strength or you can have God's power. Every, you can parent in your own strength or you can parent with God's power. You can try to stay married in your own strength or you can stay married by God's power. And let me tell you, God's power is a, is a, is an expression of his grace. What? Yes. God's grace is, is something that we can't earn. We can't buy, but check this out. We desperately need. God's grace, we need it. We can't obtain it. We can't buy it. We can't manipulate it, but we desperately need it. And, and God's power is an expression of his grace. Let me prove it to you. Look at what James 4, 6 says. It says, God opposes the what? The selfie takers. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Nobody said amen right there. God opposes the proud. You know, the, you know those people that they think they're the last Coca-Cola of the desert? Those people, those people, God says, oh, 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 you all that in a bag of chips. Okay. The word oppose, check this out, check this out. The word oppose means to contend against, to fight against. In other words, God is not on the side of the proud, but God is what? Fighting the proud. But check this out. But gives what? Grace. grace. What does grace have to do with strength? Well, look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Look at what he says. He says, each time he said, my grace is all you what? You need. Why my grace, God? Well, here's why. My power works best when you're strong. My power, God says, works best when you are firm. When you are, when you are, when you got grits, that's when I am most powerful. When is it that God's power works best? When we're weak. So look at what Paul says. He says, so now I am glad to boast about what? Hey, hey, can you imagine what our social media would look like if we, if we thought like Paul? You know, instead of adding filters, you added more reality. It's like, you know, my wife just threw a chancla at me. You know, my kid just cussed at me. You know, I just took somebody's parking spot and I was rude about it. Can you imagine if we were, if we... He says, so now I am glad to boast about what? Why? 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 So that the power of Christ can work through me. Somebody told me, Pastor, you're really transparent. You know, last Saturday I told you that I messed up at home. And some of you guys, because son chismosos, you went home wondering what happened. <laughs> Nobody called me to say, are you okay? No, I'm just playing. But let me tell you, the reason I'm transparent, the reason I'm transparent is for two reasons. One, because I want you to know I'm as human as you are. And if God can use me, he could use you. But second, 
I want you to see God's power in my life. I want you to see that apart from the fact that I'm a knucklehead and a dummy, sometimes God still can work through me. And if he can work through this donkey, he could work through you. Amen. It doesn't mean I'm proud of my mistakes. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. So look at this. Verse 10. So that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and troubles. This is important that I suffer because I'm a hard head guy. That I suffer because I'm stubborn. That I suffer because I am egocentric. No, that I suffer. Why? For Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me tell you, some of you, you're, you're, you're praying to God and you're asking God to move a big mountain. You're asking God to manifest his power in your need and your situation and your trouble. And God is waiting for you to lose your life so that he could do that. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why he's waiting to do that. Because if you don't lay down your life, you'll get the glory. You'll say, I did it. I was smart enough. I was lucky enough. I was pretty enough. I was talented enough. And God doesn't want to share his glory. So until you're willing to make his will your will, you'll miss out on God's power. Some of you, you're fighting your own battles because you think you're that strong. And when you lay down your life, let me tell you, the undefeated champion will fight on your behalf and you'll see his glory in your life. Amen. Number two, number two. The second thing we win when we lose, it's God's direction. It's God's direction. Now you're, you're, I'm very sure you're familiar with Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Look at what it says. It says, trust in the Lord with what? Now, when you're in love and you tell somebody, I love you with all my heart, you have no idea what that means. You say that because you don't know how to articulate anything else. So, so you say, oh, you know, you have my heart, baby. You, she, she stole my heart. When the Bible speaks about the heart, it knows what it's talking about. And the heart refers to all of what you are. Your emotions, your intellect, your desires, everything. So he says, he says here, trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. Do not depend on what? Your own understanding. In other words, trust his will, not your desires. And look at what he says in verse six. He says, seek what? Come on, church. If we, would, if we would stop seeking God's blessings and started seeking his will, we would get God's blessings with his will. But because we're not seeking his will, but only his blessings, sometimes we don't get either. He says, seek his will on Instagram. When you're in trouble. When you don't have enough money. Cuando metiste la pata. When you, when you ruined it. No, seek his will in what? So you know what all means? Oh, it means at work. It means in your sexual life. It means in your emotional life. It means in your career. And he says, if you seek his will in all you do, he will what? Show you which path to take. 
let me tell you, come on, we gotta, we gotta just own up to the fact that we think we're smart enough, but we're not smart enough. You probably don't even know what you want for lunch after church. But God knows. I know what I want. I want that tri-tip steak that Angel's going to cook for all of us after church. That's what I want. I'm messing with you, Angel. But let me tell you something. You don't have, you don't have a complete knowledge of your future, of your past, and of all the circumstances. But God does. And when you lose your life for his sake, let me tell you, he'll guide you. He will guide you. He will show you which path to take. A lot of times we're wondering, well, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do that. Let me tell you, if you're, if God is living through you, he's going to open doors and he's going to make a way. And he's going to lead you to goodness. That's what David said in Psalms 23, 1 and 3. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. He says, the Lord, the Lord. Remember, in other words, he's the boss. He's the chief. For some of you, he's like your wife. You know, the one that, that gives the orders. Oh, nobody laughed there. Okay. The Lord, the Lord, only the wives laugh, not the husbands. You didn't get permission? Man, I got a good joke, but I don't have enough time. We'll save it for next time. The Lord, the Lord is what? You can't have a shepherd if he's not your Lord. And when he's your Lord, he's your shepherd. And here's what that shepherd does. He guides me along what? Right paths. Bringing honor to his name. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means he knows what happened yesterday. He knows what will happen today. And he has understanding of the future. So when you lose your life for his sake, he will give you his guidance. Number three. Number three. When we lose, we win. God's peace. We win God's peace. Church, if there's something we need, it's peace. Everybody's angry against everybody. Maskers against those that don't want to wear a mask. Those that are for the vaccine with those that are anti-vaccine. Republicans with Democrats. Women with men. Young people. Everybody's angry at each other. You know why? Because they don't have peace. Because they don't have peace. And the only thing that can mend the differences in the anger and the frustration we have is the peace that Jesus offers. This peace, this peace comes when he comes. Let me prove that to you. Look at what he says in John 14, 27. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and what? And heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot what? Give. Let me tell you, how does the world give you peace? You know how the world gives you peace? If you got enough money in your bank, you have some peace. If you buy your wife that $3,000 purse, there's some peace. If you get your kid the iPhone 13 Pro, there'll be some peace with them. The way the world gives peace is conditional. The way God gives peace is very different. The peace that God, that Jesus gives comes when he comes. Let me show you. Let me show you. Look at what Colossians 3.15 says. 
And let the peace that comes from who? From Christ rule in your hearts. Pastor Nestor, how can God's peace rule in my heart? Simple. When he rules your heart. If he rules your heart, his peace will rule your heart. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation, the Lord be with you. I'll tell you something. The car, the car that I drove here, it's not mine. It's not mine. The house that I live in, it's not mine. The family that I belong to is not mine. This church, not mine. The clothes I'm wearing, the things I have, they're not mine. I'm not exaggerating. They're not mine. I get to enjoy them, but they're not mine. You know whose they are? Now, some people are scared of that. What? You're going to give everything to God? The reason they're scared of letting God own everything is because they miss a very important point. That if he's the owner, then he's also responsible. So, you know, when my car starts acting up, which, by the way, is a Ford and doesn't act up, okay? I know some people with Toyotas that they fixed it like three times already, but, but we'll leave that for another story, okay? When my car starts acting up, here's what I say. God, your car's acting up. What are you going to do about it? When, when something happens in the church, God... Yo, people, what you going to do about it? Yeah. Because, see, here's the thing. When you lose, you win. And you win God's peace knowing that I'm not Christ. There's only one Christ, and his name is not Nestor. And his name is not you. His name is Jesus. And when you lose your life, you will gain his peace. And then last but not least, last but not least. When we lose, we win. This is the most important one, eternal life. We will win eternal life. And this is the most important one, okay? This is the most important one because if you get everything else, but you don't get this one, you have just wasted your life forever. Let me tell you, breathing without eternal life is a waste. It's a waste, okay? Look at what John 12, 25 says. Those who what? Love. Love their life in this world. Well, what? We'll lose it. Those who care for nothing, okay? And this, for their life in this world, well, what? We'll keep it for what? Let me tell you something. There is life after your existence here on earth. There is life. You do not die and cease to exist. There is an eternal dwelling and there are two places you will go, either in the presence of God, which is eternal life, or away from the presence of God, which is eternal death. And if you want eternal life, if you want life in the afterlife, you got to lose this life. Look at what Matthew 16, 25, 26 says. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose what? Your soul. Here's a very important question you got to ponder with. Is anything worth more than your soul? Let me tell you. 
if you get popularity, if you get wealth, if you get pleasure, if you get bliss, if you get acknowledgement, if you get marriage, if you get all the things that the world has to offer, but you don't get Jesus, I say this respectfully, but I say with the authority of God's word, you have nothing. Here's why. Because this life in the context of eternity is nothing but a speck. And if you refuse to lose your life now, you will miss out on eternal life. I find that many people don't know eternal life. They think eternal life, they think that heaven is going to be this one big, long, boring service where Josh and the worship team are going to sing nonstop. And then Manolo and, and Steve and Esther are going to come up and read scripture. And it's going to be one big, long service. Let me tell you, let me tell you. That's because you don't read your Bible, so you don't know what eternal life is going to be like. All, all, you, all that you're seeking for in this world is what we're going to get in eternal life. Listen to me, listen to me. In eternal life, there's going to be no more death, no more pain, no more crying, no more evil. In eternal life, there's going to be true knowledge, true joy, true happiness, true satisfaction. And the best thing of it all is that the presence of God will be there and we will see it and experience it unlike we have ever experienced it. That's eternal life. We're not going to be little angels naked flying around playing harps. We are not. Okay. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm getting ready to finish. I'm getting ready to finish. This eternal life, you can't miss this. This eternal life is not found in money. This eternal life is not found in good deeds. This eternal life is not found in good thoughts. There's only one payment accepted for eternal life. And that is the precious blood that Jesus shed on the cross for you and for me. It is not your good intentions. Oh, I don't do nothing to anybody. Oh, it's not about religion. It's about Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says in, in 1 John 5, 11. And this is the testimony. God has given us what? Eternal life. And where is this life found? In his son. Let me end with this. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells parables. And a parable is a story told that compares two or more things to be able to reveal truth, to be able to explain something even further. And in Matthew 13, Jesus tells eight of them. I want to read two of them really, really quick. Look right there in your outline. Let's read it together. Look at what it says. The first one is found in verse 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in the field. In his excitement, what did he do? Who finds a treasure and hides it? You find a treasure, what do you do? Finders? Keepers. He says he hid it again, and look at what he did, and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Listen to this. A man found the treasure. He wanted that treasure. In order to get the treasure, 
He had to have the feel. He didn't want the feel. He wanted the treasure. But he couldn't get the feel that had the treasure that he wanted without first him selling everything. You follow, right? Let's look at the next parable. Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, what did he do? He sold everything and he bought it. Now, you look, you, you could read these stories and say, oh man, that's what Jesus tells me to do. Yes, he does. But these parables are not talking about you and about me. They're talking about him. This is what he did for you. He gave everything for you. He gave his life so that you could live. And now he invites you and me to lose our life so that we could live in him. The story says that there was a farmer who took care of his animals really well. And his animals really loved him. They loved him. He was a great owner. But in one occasion, he got really sick. Sick to the point where his life was at risk. The animals got together and said, you know what? Our owner, he's a wonderful person. We got to do something for him. Before he dies, we got to do something to let him know we love him and how much he means to us. So the animals got together and they brainstormed a bunch of ideas. And amongst those ideas, the idea that everybody liked the most was to make breakfast for the farmer. He said, what, what if we brought him a nice, fresh cup of milk with some eggs and bacon? And everybody liked the idea. So the cow said, I love that idea. I'll put the milk. And then the chicken said, I like that idea. I'll put the eggs. Then suddenly there was a silence. And all the animals started looking at each other and ended up with their side on the pig. The pig noticed everybody looking at him. So he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Cow, you giving the milk, that's a sacrifice. Chicken, you giving the eggs, that's a sacrifice. Me giving the bacon is a complete surrender. Church, Jesus wants your bacon. And when you lose your life for his sake, you will find true life. If you don't, you'll just waste your life. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.